0: You're listening to episode 43 with Shannon Bays, Administrative Services Manager at Clackamas County Water Environment Services. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Water, the public communication company founded by yours truly, the H2 Duo. Hi, my name is Mina. I'm the CEO of Thirst. I'm a global water advocate. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of collaboration to solve the world's water challenges. It is Water in Real Life with my amazing friends, the H2 Duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. So what does it mean to go rogue? It means you know we've got some serious challenges facing the water industry, but you're ready and willing to do things differently than the way we've always done them. Why? To build the bridges necessary between our industry and the people we serve to move things forward. At Rogue Water, we work with you to provide the strategy, content, and resources you need to effectively communicate with your customers so that you can work together to provide sustainable clean water services and to create healthy communities. Are you ready to go rogue? Find out more at roguewatergroup.com.
1: I think as a leader, it's my job to talk to my team about what their dreams are. And then how can we take that, that kind of nugget of passion and apply it to their current job?
0: One of the things we love most about this podcast are the people it's connected us to. One of our local water nerd friends in Texas, Karen Menard at the city of Dallas said, ladies, you have to meet my friend, Channon Bays. Channon is located in Clackamas County, Oregon in the Pacific Northwest. She was recently named woman of the year by our friends at PNCWA. And once you've heard this interview, you'll know exactly why. Channon talks with us about several things, but one of our favorites is strategic planning. And she talks about how you don't have to wait for everyone to be on board to get that train going. Some people just need to see things in action first. We also talk about leadership and how leaders have a responsibility to talk about their dreams, to encourage their people to talk about their own dreams, because chasing dreams can keep us motivated and energized at work and also keep us forever young. One of WEF's strategic initiatives and one of our favorites is to create more diversity in the industry. And Shannon really drives us home by saying we need to have enough representation so that when our children look up, there's someone for each of them to look up to and say, that's where I'm headed. But some of us have to go first. We enjoyed this chat so much, and we hope you do too. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Shannon Bays is the Administrative Services Manager for Clackamas county water environment services she began her where she began her career with Clackamas County in 2007 in the elections division before joining water environment services in 2010 as the administrative services manager she supports business activities of department leaders and technical staff manages administrative support staff policy analysts and customer service specialists She also oversees coordination of human resource activities and leads development and implementation of performance measure methods and tracking procedures. In addition, she also manages the department's procurement and records management activities. Shannon is currently the chair of the Utility Management Committee and was recently awarded Woman of the Year from the PNCWA. She also holds an MBA from George Fox University. Well, we're so excited that you're here with us today, Shannon. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's super exciting. I love, my bio makes me seem like super impressive. I'm like, oh my gosh. You <laughs> are
0: super
2: impressive. No, 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 no you're, you're impressive. There's question. no seems
0: like it there. So um, what's one of the things that we've loved about the podcast is just that it's connected us with so many people. And so when we first chatted with you, um, that was before we went to Weftech and before we met Stephen Drangschult from Brown and Caldwell. And what was really funny was that it's we have to, like, play uh, connect the dots sometimes because it wasn't until knowing him and later him telling us that he was at that PNCWA conference that I connected that you were also – that that was the organization that you were a part of. So I'm, like, texting him, like, oh, my gosh, do you know Shannon Bays? And he's like, no. And I said, you need to find her. And then get this, <laughs> we get this text like maybe the next day, and he's like founder. <laughs> so we sent him on a scavenger hunt for me. So we're glad that you guys that you guys got to connect because of that, and we're happy our girl
2: Karen Bernard was able to connect us with you. She was like, you Love have that. to meet Shannon. She's amazing. And I was like, yes, let's do this. <laughs>
0: So I love like the six degrees of separation in the water industry. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> That's true. Um, so our old boss started in the field and worked his way up to the director of utilities. And you are not the director yet, but you have <laughs> definitely worked your way up through the ranks already. So tell us a little bit more about your water story and what you think has been the biggest driver of your success so far.
1: So I was hired at Water Environment Services, which we call WES, which makes it easier. So I was hired at WES as an Administrative Assistant, and I moved from Administrative Assistant to Administrative Analyst, to Policy Analyst, to Assistant, to the Director, to Resource Recovery Supervisor, and now I'm in my current role as the Administrative Services Manager. And so that is this constant focus on kind of what... Um, I wanted to do next, and I feel like it was two things. One was really connecting with the importance of what we're doing here, because when you can throw your passion behind your work, Mm. it it has an amplifying effect. Oh, yeah. Um, I also feel like I'm a big goal setter. So sitting down every year and making sure that I was writing down what my goals were, which really... Is less about I'm gonna hold this position and more these are the experiences I'm gonna collect and those things kind of led me to moving up in my career
0: I love that you said experiences you can collect have you done strength binders recently yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I asked because my number one is input and it's all about collecting everything yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep, I knew there was a connection there. Yeah, I love that. Um and I loved how you talked about the passion piece. So there's a story I've heard that's gotten tossed around about um about NASA and a janitor that worked at NASA in the 60s and when someone asked him what his job duties were, he said to send a man t- to send a man to the moon. Like he was a janitor, but he knew that at NASA that that was that was his job to be a part of that. And so you could That's a great story of how that culture was ingrained in everyone from the top to the bottom. So um, you spoke of an operator that you met as you were kind of moving over into water that said that his job was to save lives. So how did that kind of impact your view of the water industry?
1: That was that. It was uh, one of our, he's still an operator at our Kellogg plant, Harvey Clark, and, and we were at our first... Kind of West function after I had been hired there, and um, I said, "So what do you do?" You know, we're trying to make small talk, and and um, he says, "I save lives," and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing! I want to hear more about this." And he really talked about about how critical the wastewater infrastructure is and uh, for maintaining the health. Um, of and the sanitation of a, of a nation. So our entire society is based on this idea that we actually have clean water and wastewater treatment is a critical part of that entire landscape of the clean water cycle. So it kind of changed my viewpoint and later I had the chance to go to China and I was in Beijing, here's this amazing city and we had to go um, down, walk down this major street at one point and we had to step over Sewage that was just running across the street because there had been a rainstorm, and it blew my mind because yeah. it was like you kind of hear about it, but you think, "Oh no, no, this is only in third world nations, yeah, so and cool. that's not the
0: case wow. yeah wow, yeah and and wastewater just doesn't get outside of the industry, obviously it just doesn't in mainstream to just the normal Joe Schmo gets the respect that it deserves, you know um we did oh, yeah. we saw a uh Um, a white paper and an infographic that Blue Drop put out and for as little as people know about where their water comes from or what happens to it or like even significantly less know what happens to it after they're done with it I think like three percent of yeah even cared about it or thought that it was a big deal and they just don't understand that you know, people across the world die every single day because of lack of access to to Mm -hmm. sanitation services. So it's just got to give, got to give those wastewater folks more love.
1: That's (laughs) right.
2: (laughs) So you've been involved in your strategic planning process of your organization. Um, How did you, how did y'all approach it and why did y'all, why do you think it's important for the organization?
1: You know, Clackamas County decided as a county that we were going to go through this process of doing this results-oriented strategic planning process. So the county as a whole and all of our departments were going through this process. And when we first were, you know, being brought into this as a department of Clackamas County, we were struggling a little bit because it kind of feels like, how do we drive for result. I mean, we have to, right? It's a regulatory agency that is saying, here's what you have to do and finding that way to kind of switch our minds to really be thinking about how do we connect more deeply with our customers, Mm -hmm. which is really the point of those results focused strategic planning processes. How are you going to tell your customers what you do? And in this case, our customers are everyone that lives, works and plays in Clackamas County all of those people in some way are interacting with our infrastructure as a wastewater and stormwater, you know service provider Mm -hmm. and so we have to really connect with that and it's important in part because you can kind of see one how do i educate my community on their own impact on water quality that's such an important piece of water quality is connecting with people where they are and teaching them why it matters that they pick up their dog poop when they go for a walk or why it matters that they don't wash their car right next to a storm drain. Um, It matters that you don't use flushable wipes because they're not actually flushable. And here's how those things connect to your infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're focused on your customer, you have a chance to do that. One of the other things we did at the same time though was strategic energy management. We brought it into our Tri-Fist City facility and really, when you're doing strategic energy management, it walks you through this very prescribed process, right? Of evaluating where you're at with your energy, identifying places where you can improve your energy um, usage, and, and what how does that translate into energy usage like as a home? Mm-hmm. And um, and so we really were talking with our operators and, and And at one point we were celebrating because they had reduced their energy usage so much that it was enough to power 149 homes for a year. Oh, wow. It's like, oh my gosh, that's mind blowing, right? Mm -hmm. But that process really started teaching us the language Mm -hmm. of operational strategic planning. Mm, It it was like, well, we're going to reduce our energy. And then here were these really clear steps for how we could just do what we were already doing. Mm but with eye towards energy savings. And I think it, it helped kind of change the game for us as far as getting operations and everybody on the same page about the strategic planning process
2: and why it matters. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I want to know a couple of things um, about, did you feel any like pushback or did everyone kind of come together as the, I mean, as all these departments come together I think that's amazing that y'all were able to accomplish one single goal of a strategic process. (laughs) So how, you know, how long was that process? And, and, you know, did you have to pull teeth to get everyone to work together or or was everyone kind of like on the same page that this needed to be done?
1: We, um, it's funny because it was, this is something that a lot of people were like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. we before mm. we did it six mm. years ago, we did it nine years ago, we did it 10, you know, 15, 20. Every department had their own story about how long ago they had done the exact same thing. Sure, yep. I think that the difference this time was is that this started with the Board of County Commissioners. We have a five-member commission, mm-hmm. and they decided we were going to do this. Okay. And since then, our commission has changed. Election has happened, and we've okay. had a change up on the players on that um, commission. And guess what? They reinvested and said, nope, we're still wow. doing it. Awesome. And so that's a powerful thing to have at the very top, this s- political support for continuing this process. Yeah. I just still think even at the department level, there's people who are like, I just don't get it. Right. And that's all right. You that's can right. have people who don't understand a strategic planning process. Sure. You know, this, for me, I always think of the 80-20, right? You guys have heard Wait. that where it's yeah. like you put 80% of the effort for, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For that 20% of the result. And really it works. You don't have to fight and be like, no, no, I can't move forward unless every single person is on board. Right. Because you can say, you know what? I need the 20%. And everyone else comes along. Yeah. And so I I say, you know, the people who want to kind of wait and see, that's okay. They can wait and see because the rest of us are starting to move in this direction. We've now been doing this. We just um completed our second plan because your plan lasts mm-hmm. two or three years and then you redo it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. And so we just completed our second plan and it's going over for review from other department heads and our and our uh, county administrator. We'll get that approved and we'll move forward. And every time we have workforce turnover, new people come in and we say, oh gosh, you know what? We do strategic planning. Mm-hmm. And here's our plan and here's how you tie in. And so over time, it will become a part of our culture. And yeah. I'm, I, for me, it's okay that the pace is slow. Yeah.
2: Waiting until you have a hundred percent buy-in is, is kind of a
1: recipe for disaster.
2: Yeah. yeah. You see the light at the end of that tunnel oh, and, yeah. you know, yeah, that's awesome. And how big the, is, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you how big is Clackamas County? And
1: I believe that we are about 2000 employees.
0: Okay. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's awesome. Yeah. that's. Yeah, you don't want to wait for a thousand, per, I mean a thousand, a hundred percent participation there. You just got to start, you know, yep. and for the people who really buy into it, following a strategic plan is exciting. You know, when me and Arianne started ours at the last city we were with, we were really excited and hype about it and probably really annoying. So for that other percent of people who are just jaded and don't want to take part of it, hopefully like you're positive and annoying enough, that they'll just decide to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> it's so true. though, right? If you're on the fence yes, and you have people who are excited about where you're going, you're like, yeah, me too. Right. Yep. The party's over here. Yep. And yep. so I think that over time, you just kind of bring people over by maintaining your own excitement. Mm-hmm. And that actually means personalizing some of the results and making sure, I mean, that in my individual work process, I have to follow the same process so that I can point to successes all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Got to celebrate those, you know. Absolutely. um, So through the podcast and just, we like to try and be a resource for the industry at large, but we're really passionate about reaching both the young professionals and kind of the people like me who are in the transition from, I mean, I'm kind of a little pissed at the water industry that I'm not considered young after thirty-five in some associations. <laughs> Cause I still I feel still I still feel young at heart at 37. So um, but you know, that's that's a group that we're trying to reach and, and be a resource for. And you mentioned that you did a number of informational interviews when you were first getting started. Um Kind of explain the benefits of those interviews and why you'd recommend it to people especially young people in their careers or for those people who are looking to make a career change
1: i uh yeah i would like to reframe the word young professional <laughs> as people who are new to an industry yeah because i feel like especially when you look at stormwater and wastewater in you know the government sector we have this um Thought that somehow you have to like be born in the water industry, but yeah. most people in the water industry came from somewhere else, mm-hmm. and so we have to think about those people as new to the profession and therefore needing those same tools. So informational interviews for me are critical because I like to know where I'm going because input is my number one strength, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I recommend it to people that I mentor. If you're thinking about something and you're like, boy, maybe this is the place for me there's no better way to find out than to go talk to people who are currently doing those things. And so I did this years ago when I was first coming to West and I have one scheduled for the 31st. So it's not just something that I did and now I'm, oh, now I'm established. And so I get to stop. I'm constantly talking to people to kind of re-expose myself to new ideas and where they're coming from. And, and one of my friends told me once, that she had done so many informational interviews that when she found this job that she was so passionate about, she applied for the job and she got to the interview stage and there was only one person on the panel she hadn't already met.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Perfect. Right. You're not just going off my little piece of paper. You now know me in this different way. And so it's not the same as going and talking to people and saying, here's my resume. I want a job. But you are saying, here's my elevator talk about who I am and here's what I'd like to know more about because Mm -hmm. people love to share their story.
0: Mm -hmm. And if we can
1: create those opportunities, you as the interviewer are getting practice being in front of people. You're getting practice asking really pertinent questions, Mm -hmm. but you're also learning the lingo, fine-tuning your dreams Mm -hmm. so that you're headed and you don't end up someplace and be like, oh my gosh, how did I end up here? This isn't my yeah. beautiful house. This isn't my beautiful wife. Like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also so I great recommend way. it for anyone looking to continue, you know, continually grow their career, but also people thinking about changing industries.
0: Yeah. And that's a great way to network for people who are super uncomfortable with networking and who being in a room full of strangers Awkwardly holding their drink or something just go go network, but that's that makes it more one-on-one It's more personal. It gives you time to prepare to know what you want to ask and so yeah, that's a great uh, It's another great way to network if you're not comfortable with just the networking event. Yes, totally not a networker
1: (laughs) I'm I'm an introvert and so I find it more comfortable if I if there's going to be a networking event, I want to know five people in the room already. And so if I can just strategically contact people and ask them if I can come interview with them or something, then it's like I already have five friends in the room.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, that just makes me inherently more comfortable. And you know what? When you are more comfortable, it shows. So if you can just find that way to relax, and if that means you've introduced yourself to one person (laughs) beforehand. Yeah, Uh, And everyone gets to know you better anyway.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of comfortable, um, water, you know, can be a thankless job and it's easy to get comfortable in the industry. Um, But we learn as we graduate college that leadership becomes a self-serve. What are some ways that your team stays motivated and encouraged to grow as individuals and as a team? I
1: think it's funny because we have to I think as a leader, it's my job to talk to my team about what their dreams are. Yes, and you have to have it. It's important for me, I think it's important that people have dreams. And so sometimes people are like, I don't know. I mean, when I first start, you know, meeting people, I'm like, Hi, I'm your new manager. This isn't awkward at all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're like, I have no idea. And it's like, Okay, well, think about kind of. What's the big, what's the big idea? Yeah. What is the big thing that you're like, if I had this, I would feel successful today or in my job or in my life. What is that thing? And then how can we take that, that kind of nugget of passion and apply it to their current job? Because maybe you're in a job where you're providing administrative support, but really you have a passion for education. And so how can we connect you to a team that's doing education so that your job is supporting people and you have a pathway for more information, for mentors and everything Mm -hmm. to kind of take you to that next level? I think that's part of how we stay youthful is continually finding a new dream, a new inspiration. And that's really important as a leader Mm -hmm. for me to have that connection and encourage my team to stay motivated and working towards their goals if you've given up, it's not about your boss. It's about you making a choice and you need to re-engage with your own life
0: first. I love Taking it. Some hardcore accountability. Yeah. Can't, can't yeah. always blame stuff on other people. You got to take accountability first. One of my, my actual, my
2: first water utilities boss, um, that was one of his first questions to me was sitting down and going, you know, what is it that you want to do? What, you know, if it's not water, you know, what else would you be doing? And that was really powerful for me because, you know, it, it led me to find that, you know, I love education. I love teaching, but I don't want to sit in a classroom all day with 30 kids that I can't spank. I'm right. just kidding. <laughs> and so it became, you know, this informal education became my jam. Didn't even yeah. know that existed prior to that. So that was, that was powerful to, to go down that path. And, I was listening, re-listening to um, John Acuff's book, Start, um, Punch Fear in the Face, and he said, you know, that's the question that, you know, it's hard to tell your parents or your family, you know, what what your dreams are or what you're doing, you know, especially like for us, it's hard to explain what it is that we do every day. Hmm. And he said, why don't you ask them what their dreams are? And you can, and then they'll kind of start getting what you're talking about because they'll be explaining and you'll see the passion and the excitement about what their dreams are. And they'll kind of understand better, like why you're so passionate about this thing. And then they were like, he was like, no one asks that question enough. Like, what are your dreams? So that was, that's cool that you do that. I love that.
1: Yeah. You know, I think another part of that that is super important is, you know, if you allow yourself to dream and you share your dreams with your team, mm-hmm. your team gets more comfortable sharing their dreams, right? Sure. But but it, you, it spreads to every part of your life. You know, I have these two teenage daughters, and they hear me talking about dreams all the time. Right. And all the time, they have watched those dreams become reality. And sometimes I have these, I'll go, oh my gosh, you guys, I have such a crazy idea. And if you keep talking about it, you yeah. end up, People who are like, oh my gosh, I was totally thinking about that, and you end up with some great collaboration. Mm-hmm. But I always tell my kids, what if your crazy idea is actually the idea that changes the world? Yeah. Why would you keep that a secret? Why take that chance that mm. your idea might be the thing that we're looking yeah. for? Yeah. So you have to continually share. Someone needs to hear your story, and someone in the world needs to hear your idea. And and we can't step away from that.
0: That's amazing that you said that because I, I was trying to remember where I heard that, but I've heard that same thing that's, you know, always tell your story because you never know who might need to hear it. And um, yeah, that's, that's true. And to not only share like the story, the dreams, the good part, but also share like your failures. Um, because oh, yeah. I've, feel like I've learned a lot from hearing where other people um, have struggled, not because like it makes me feel better, <laughs> but because I feel like I'm not the only person out there that's sure. ever struggled or gone through the same things. And so um, I feel that it, at least in that area, it, we're if, if we're nothing else, we're vulnerable. We're always kind of like self-deprecating in nature, but it's just so uh, we like want people to know that it's, it's human to, to not always be perfect. So
1: (laughs) I have my, I have a friend who is a, she's a director in Mary Kay cosmetics and she always said that no means next opportunity.
2: Yeah. Mm, That's cute. And
1: I think that applies everywhere but we do it to ourselves more than anything else. We fail. And then we're like, Oh God, life said no. Right. And it's like, no, no, that just means next thing. You have to go give it to somebody else or, or you have to keep moving on to the next thing because it's the journey. What is that? Oh gosh, there's that old Michael Jordan commercial where he's like, you know, 36 times I've been given the chance to make the game winning shot and I missed, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, I've failed over and over and over again. And that's why I'm here. And he's like, you know, got his gorgeous jacket on and is you know, walking into this event down the red carpet. And it's like, yeah, it's built on failure.
2: I thought you were going to talk about his boxer briefs commercials. I
1: didn't think it was that kind of
2: program. (laughs) I want to know um, how you guys are communicating the value of water to your customers and what you think is like the most important first step for your team to do that.
1: Uh, you know, we communicate. We have we have a number of things where we do. Oh, it's like we do bill messages, we have mm-hmm. inserts and in bills, we have stuff on our website, we have newsletters that go out. But I think all of that, that's wonderful. The number one thing we do is empower people to talk to our customers. Mm-hmm. So when we have people who are out there and they have to TV line, we say yes, tell people what you're doing. talk to people if they have questions, follow up with them we make our people the empowered to tell our story. And that means that we don't have one, you know, outreach person. We have 107 outreach people and each one of us feels like we can say, Oh my goodness. You know, they call and they say, Oh, I need to start service. And our customer service folks will say, congratulations. So excited about your new home, you know? And, and so we connect with them in that way. That by far is our greatest tool for communication. The other thing that I think is really important is that we invest in education. So we have um, school groups that come to our plants for tours, we do tours of our um, wetlands areas, we have um, educational outreach to go to schools, and we go to the state fair because kids learning about infrastructure is critical as we move forward, one, if I go and teach your children about flushable wipes and they come home and say, Hey, I learned this amazing thing, it changes parental behavior. Mm-hmm. And we may not be able to get a bunch of parents to come together and listen to the wipes, but boy, you can add an assembly at a school and listen to it. Right. And so, having that access to teach them about their infrastructure and hopefully inspire them to come join us on our mission, which would be amazing, um, those two things go hand in hand. We have to be able to talk to people and we have to be able to invite them in.
0: Exactly. And I love that you're empowering more than, you know, just your official educators or outreach staff to feel empowered to do that. Um, Because that's important. Because those, your people out there, especially the ones out in the field all the time, are really, they're the ones who are setting the tone for your organization out in the real world, if you will. They're the ones that are interacting with your customers more so on a daily basis, especially for customer service people. I mean, they're the first introduction to your city. Like, do you know how, <laughs> do you know the experience that your that your new residents are experiencing when they call up customer service? You know, it's just, mm-hmm. and then so many times it just kind of seems like they, they can be forgotten sometimes because they're, they're just pounding away and doing and doing all that they do every single day. And, and yeah. so I really like that, that you're um, using that resource in terms of empowering others to do that for you. Thank you. It's absolutely critical. Um, as we mentioned in your bio, you were um, formerly the co-chair of Oregon's ACWA's Biosolids and Recycled Water Committee, and now you've just transitioned to your new role as the chair of the Utility Management Committee in September. And, you know, we're fans of both of those things, all of those things. Um, What was your favorite outcome of your time on the Biosolids Committee, and what do you have in store for the management one?
1: That, um, you know what I love about, um, it's, the Oregon Association of Clean Water Agencies, um, the board and our committees, is it is so exciting to be with a, a group that are all passionate about all aspects of this industry. And so we have our board meetings and it's like, oh my goodness, Everyone is so excited about what they do and the part that they can play. And so I'm a big fan of this um, association. So as the the Biosolids and Recycled Water Committee um, co-chair, one of my favorite things was that we had this issue in uh, most of our land application from the Valley. So like the Portland metropolitan area is in um, Sherman County, which is east you know, not quite eastern Oregon, but central to east Oregon. And we, we kind of had this, where our programs kind of collided with a program that is, that is put on by um, the Department of Agriculture. And so we had all of this confusion and everything. And because we had this committee, we sent out this big, you know, invite, invite to everybody and said, all right, everybody, we're going to have this big meeting. We had the DEQ there. And um, we brought in people from the Farming Association, and so we had farmers and people from our industry and the DEQ and everything all together in one room. And we said, all right, what are we hearing? Let's get all the facts straight. How are we going to start communicating with them? And the DEQ, which is the Department of Environmental Quality in Oregon, is they partnered with us to reach out to this other agency and start having these agency to agency conversations um to help kind of explain what what we were doing how our departments were regulated how our product is regulated so that they could have some more buy-in because they didn't even know biosolids was a regulated you know process and so they were just like yeah no biosolids <laughs> and we were like whoa 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's wait not a minute. Cranny of but having that ability to say, oh my gosh, everybody, let's just get together and figure out what a path forward is and moving together as a group instead of a bunch of one-off uh, individuals, I thought was amazing and super yeah, powerful.
2: Definitely. Mm-hmm. With
1: the Utility Management Committee, I'm excited because it's a committee that's it's kind of been dormant for a couple years and we're really relaunching it into something new. And it's, so it's super exciting. Um, we're going to be reaching out to into the agencies that are members of the committee and asking them to bring their emerging leaders into contact with us so that we can have a emerging leaders group and maybe yes. set up some cross-department and um, agency mentor relationships. Mm-hmm. We really want to give people who are seeing themselves as maybe future directors, how do we get them in contact with current directors so that they can, you know, have that kind of networking, but also how do we give them an access to the experiences that they need to be able to, to take on those roles. Mm. We're also going to be working with EPA and um, bringing in the effective utility management primer training that EPA hosts. Ooh. And so we'll be bringing a bunch of agencies together for a big day-long workshop. And I love the, the, the synergy and the excitement that happens at those kinds of events that you can yeah. bring them in and suddenly you're like oh my gosh this is where we you know struggle with coming up with a performance metric and it's not just brainstorming with the people you've been talking to suddenly you're sitting there with six other agencies that all have the same knowledge and right. and you just end up with this really solid product because we're kind of marrying the county's strategic planning process with the effective utility management. Um, primer and that process and bringing those two modalities together for our utility and it's so I'm excited to see where we can go with this committee.
0: Well definitely keep us in the loop with that I mean even if it's not necessarily another another episode but just a conversation that we get to have with you that sounds really exciting we'd love to hear how that all goes and how that works out for y'all.
2: Absolutely it's so exciting. Okay I have a rogue Question I didn't, <laughs> we never we didn't give these up, uh, give this one to you ahead of time. Um, so you you just won woman of the year, I did, okay. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Thank and you. so, I want to talk, I want you to talk to us about this for a second. Um, like your best advice that you can give these, you know, especially the newer, you know, under five years or around that mark where maybe they've been in utility billing or in the utility for a few years like that, they kind of getting jaded or stubborn or, um, set in their ways or whatever, you know, maybe they were trained by a very seasoned, you know, person who just retired was jaded or something. What do you say to these, you know, young women in the industry, women of the year, what do you say to them? Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) Give your best advice.
1: We need you. what I need what we need as a nation is for women to begin dreaming again and to step up and start claiming those moments we need young women and and even women who are coming back into the field after being away from work for some time it's like we need you to suit up and show up because we have to find a way to connect with our communities And I really, truly believe that getting more women into the water industry is the game-changing idea. Mm. We have to find a way to connect with people and families and reconnect communities to each other. And I think women are such a powerful part of that process. And so one of the things I say, and it showed up in my utility management um, thing, is if you're a woman and you've been given the gift of leadership, for God's sake, lead. We need Ooh. you to go up in those moments and inspire everyone else to come with you. And so we can't really afford for someone to say, oh gosh, no, I'm giving up and everything. And I, I'm going to say, I need you to look at all the women that come after you. We yeah. need to have enough representation so that when our children look up, there's someone for each one of them to look to and say, that's where I'm headed, right? right? But some of us have to go first. Mm-hmm. And so if the three of us and everyone else who's hearing this all says, you know what? I'm going to go first. Even if you're the only woman in the room, yep, we have it and you can be the only one in the room. It doesn't matter because wh- what we're doing is representing the thousands. And so step up, suit up, show up.
0: Love it. You know, for a rogue question, that was a badass answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Um, that made me think of how when I first started in this industry, and I actually was in public works, and I used to go to, like, our public works rodeos and things like that and look around, and I was, you know, one of a handful of women. And, you know, throughout my career, like, there's there's definitely more women in the, education, the, the educator, communicator space. Um, but, yeah, we're still we're a minority in this industry, but there was just something – super empowering and just like, I felt very proud when I was at WEF Tech and the opening session is being kicked off by Jenny Hartfelder and Eileen O'Neill. The, you know, Jenny was the outgoing WEF president and Eileen being the executive director and just like, I just wanted to be like, yeah, boss ladies up there. It It was a really proud moment for me.
2: Yeah. So exciting. And that, that's something that, like, I wish, you know, I, I know a couple people, you know, in the utility billing world that for my own city, and I'm like, even if you don't, I, you know, I don't know where what your dreams are. And even if it's to be exactly where you're at, that's amazing. And to, to show up every day with a positive attitude and, and try to make a difference in that new homeowner who just signed up or someone who's lived there for their whole life, like you're doing amazing work and, and it's, it's time to be proud of it you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Be like the janitor at NASA, you know, like who cares, if, <laughs> who cares if you're not the director or, or you're not the, the upper management role. If, if you're in this industry, you're impacting lives every single day and what you're doing matters.
1: Absolutely. Hey, you know, you, you never know what you are going to do or say today that is going to change someone's life. Yeah. yeah. You have to show up for your life every day. You can't just take a pass and say, well, today I'm not showing up in my own
0: life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Yeah, That means you're dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay. So we're going to do a little uh, wrap up questions here. Um, So I just want to know what your favorite book is right now that you can recommend to all of us.
1: So it's an older book. I'm reading Courage by Gus Lee. And it is amazing. He really has these very practical ways that we need to, that we can kind of live out our own courage. How do you find that place in yourself where you are really showing up for yourself? We have to have internal courage just to be able to get, you know, your dreams don't live in your comfort zone. They live somewhere else. So we have to move in that direction. and. Um this book by Gus Lee is so it was so impactful to me. I've read it a few times now.
2: Okay, you just inspired Stephanie to write that on a napkin. Yes. Mm. Um okay, so what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity?
1: Oh, every day I write out my schedule, what I have to do, and then I think about like your there's your schedule and then it's like what do I want to do today? Mm-hmm. What is the thing that if I can only do one thing today, what is that one thing? I do it early in the morning because I feel like there's times where sometimes I feel like, you know what, if I can just really show up in this one meeting, you know, maybe I can impact this relationship in a positive way or, or, you know, if I am just really focused on an opportunity to connect with someone today, that's going to be success. And so there's there's your work, the schedule, that it's like, oh yeah, all right, at 8.45, I'm going to get together, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And But there's this other thing where it's like, I am actively seeking every day an opportunity to do something. Um, And really claiming that every day, I think, helps me be productive in my life, but also at work. I'm not just filling out forms or attending meetings and all that kind of stuff. Right. I have a goal
2: every day. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: So this is our last question for, for all of our guests. And um, it's really rooted in the fact that throughout our careers, we'd, cause we're always kind of asking people to change their mindset or behavior or perspective. And sometimes we were met with, well, I'm just one person. What does it matter if I make a change? I'm just, it's just me. And so we, of course, wholeheartedly disagree with that because we feel that change can be um, contagious. So what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world?
1: Boy, we we already touched on this. I, I feel like women, we are at this really exciting time in our history as a planet not just our society Mm -hmm. as a whole you know nations league of nations we are at this pivotal point where we can say i am going to show up in my own life and i'm going to show up in the lives of women and 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 begin to dream again and if we can do that and we can model it we can show children we can show young women we can we can inspire other people to reach this other place, then we are a part of this amazing movement that is spreading across the world. I, I feel like we often find ways to kind of, um, we apologize for ourselves. Like, you know, if you're, you find something really funny and you laugh out loud, you apologize. Right?
2: <laughs> yep. oh, I'm sorry.
1: And we have these things, I always call them statements and negations. So we say, I was just thinking that maybe it's like, no, no, I don't need to, I don't need your forgiveness for my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm. I need your support to have them. I get to just say, I have a seat at the table and you know what? There's room for all of us. We don't have to say, oh wait, there's one woman at the top and I have to knock her out of that seat if I want to get to the top. No, because women know how to set a bigger table. We can Mm. just expand the size of the group, and there's room for all of us. So we have to find a way to get out of that competition mode and really into every single one of us helps every single one of us. And that is how all boats rise. And that's not just only women. That's everybody. Everything gets better when women are fully engaged.
0: Mm -hmm. Women know how to set a bigger table. I Ooh. love it. <laughs> I how to pull that leaf out. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, that's a hell of a way to end. I don't yeah. want to say anything now and ruin it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're so glad that Karen made this connection. Yes. Um, we've totally enjoyed this conversation. We look forward to enjoying many more. Um, we've already made a made a commitment that we have to go to the – pncwa conference next year because we're Absolutely. Just making all these new fans up there in the pacific northwest i mean that's we need to get up there and, and meet all you folks in real life and so um thank you so much for spending the time with us today we really appreciate it and like i said we look forward to more conversations in the future Definitely.
1: yes thank you so much it's been wonderful
0: fun We hope you enjoyed the episode today and that you never miss out on a future episode by clicking on subscribe, or even better, by signing up for the Water Nerds newsletter at theh2duo.com forward slash newsletter. If you haven't registered for Catalyst yet, get on that stat. We only have a few spots left before we are officially sold out. Catalyst is a mastermind summit created for water educators and communicators, by water educators and communicators. We preach the Rogue Water ABCs of water communication, assessment, branding, content, and strategy. And we're driven by the mission to create an environment of tribal collaboration. You'll be yelling Waterloo all the way back home. Register at roguewatergroup.com forward slash catalyst. As always, we hope you learned something new or got a little inspired to move that needle forward doing the work that matters. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.